It is the Air It Out podcast brought to you by Inside the Hashes, InsideTheHashes.com for everything football. College football right now, that playoff picture looking pretty set right now, but we'll see what happens next week. But you can check those guys out, InsideTheHashes.com. Your pro football, the NFL, we've got you covered here. Avery Collins, Christopher Thomas, Jerome Jones, and Kevin Crockett here hanging out with you. Uh, so the NFL continues to roll right along. The playoff picture is starting to come a little clear. We're talking about college football. The NFL draft picture is starting to become a little bit clear. And already uh, a big free agent on the market as it is official. Le'Veon Bell season is over. He will not be playing this season. And due to his smart agent or his own smart moves, has figured out a loophole to make this season count. And we'll let him walk into free agency next year. The Le'Veon Bell story, that seemed like it was going on and on. If you were like me, you might have traded for him in a couple of fantasy leagues because you thought, ah, he's going to get out of Pittsburgh and do some damage somewhere. He did not. So thank you, Le'Veon Bell, for that. I'm sure he got a lot of tweets about that on social media. So uh, we'll go ahead and spin it right now. There's a lot of teams that could use him, and he is available to the world as of this summer. So, uh, gentlemen, uh, I'll start with you, Chris. Where is Le'Veon Bell going to end up next season? Oh, just letting you know that on Twitter, I already started my campaign to bring Le'Veon Bell to the 215. I don't know if you read it or not. But, however, if if I had to pick two potential destinations that make sense salary cap-wise and that dynamic of offenses, one will be the Houston Texans. You could just get rid of Lamar Miller in the offseason, whether you trade him, release him. They'll have about $25 million cap space to play around on that. And just imagine that backfield. With with Deshaun Watson and Le'Veon Bell, you also have Demarius Thomas also out there. Will Fuller coming back, DeAndre Hopkins, and Houston's won six in a row. So you're talking about a potential Super Bowl contender. And when it's getting January out there, you gotta learn how to run the football. And what better running back you want in those late January games to hand the ball off to than Le'Veon Bell? Another one is a surprising team that has been rolling along recently, um, the Indianapolis Colts. They're going to have a lot of money to play with this offseason. Frank Wright has gotten Andrew Luck back to what we all expected, a generational talent quarterback, and him just finally having that running mate in the backfield. Listen, Marlon Mack is good. Naheem Nines is a good change of pace third down running back, but just having that legitimate 20-25 to 25 carry guy in the backfield will help out Andrew Luck so much down the line. Uh, I agree uh, with with both teams, uh, more so the Texans. Um, I definitely think that they're in, a, to me, a better position to make a run. And I think Le'Veon's at the point in his career where he, all, he not only does he want to get paid, he wants to win. Um, he's worried about uh, all those things. So I, I, think, and he, I think he knows that some people um, might feel that his legacy is tarnished because of what he's kind of done. I don't agree with that sentiment, but because of that, and because he may feel that way, he may feel that you know winning rings um, kind of you know will overshadow that, and it'll, it'll all make sense in the, in the long run if he able if he's able to go to a team and help them do that. But the other team that I think is the Green Bay Packers. I mean, they haven't had a very legitimate or threatening run game in a very long time, um, and I think that the help that you could give. You could give Aaron Rodgers with that type of uh, with that type of player would be ridiculous. I think they would, in my opinion, if they were to pick him up, they'd be um, one of the favorites out of the NFC um, without question. Just because now you have to worry about the running game as well as Aaron Rodgers. Um, so I, I think that uh, the Packers should uh, possibly try to you know try to go after. Him. 
It's a key element that you guys touched on in all this, but isn't the key focus and is arguably the main reason Le'Veon Bell has set out to this point, and that is money. New York Jets are going to have plenty of green to match those jerseys they've got on next season. I think it's very difficult to think of any situation where certainly you look at how Minnesota was able to outbid everybody else and get Kirk Cousins with a ton of guarantee. Well, with all guaranteed money this season, you got to think the Jets already know in their minds, hey, we don't have any talent on offense, at least any Pro Bowl next level. I have to plan my defense around this one player kind of players on that offense. And Le'Veon Bell immediately kind of suits that need. Uh, Aver, you had kind of touched on um, just the situation that is Le'Veon. And for any owner that might be getting ready to spend a ton of money on them, certainly they're going to look back on this season and the previous offseason and think, okay, is there a potential for this to happen again? Story on ESPN.com uh, came out that uh, Ben Roethlisberger had tried to be in touch with Le'Veon Bell and uh, didn't get anything back from him. So it, it's just interesting when you – there are plenty of guys who didn't fit that quote-unquote character mode that have won championships, and they're going to continue to do so. But especially in a free agent market where you're a position that doesn't get a whole lot of guaranteed money historically. Thank you, Todd Gurley. Uh, but is this something that's going to – will there be a bidding war? Because I'm curious if if there was like a blind study of owners prior to the season as to, okay, if you were to offer Le'Veon Bell a fair contract, what would it be? And then you fast forward a year with all the circumstances that have transpired and you ask those owners again, okay, what's a fair contract for Le'Veon Bell? I feel like those numbers would have come down a little bit and that Le'Veon may have left some money on the table by not playing this season. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and ask you, is that a factor in what's going to be happening this offseason? I don't think so. I think that it's a situation where um, I think it's more media hype than anything. I don't think that he's a bad teammate. I think what it is is the Pittsburgh Steelers were obviously upset. Um, the players in general, um, I'm speaking of, and I, I think they were upset because they, they understand his value and they understand how far they can go with him um, and how much he changes the dynamic when he's on the field um, for that team. So I think that it was more so media hype, but I don't think that he's a bad teammate. I don't think he'll be a distraction or a cancer in the locker room, and I don't think that the, the sentiment around the league is that. I think that people understand, especially players, who are not teammates. I mean, I, I think that teammates of him on on, on Pittsburgh kind of kind of understood. They just were like, "We'd rather you be here." Um, but I think teammates or, or, or players from other teams are looking at the situation like, "No, I get it completely." Right. So I think he'll, in that aspect, you know, you're not messing up a locker room. And I think that I think that GMs will will see that as well. And they again, he's he's a talent that you can't really pass up. He's still kind of young. I would, I would be um, surprised if there wasn't a bidding war. And, and speaking of bidding wars, there's another team, the Browns, that just came to mind because you were talking about the, the cap space. They still have a lot of cap space. Um, they're in the division, and they're primed to be a, a threat going into the future if they are able to um, change certain things around. Now, will they do that? I don't think so because they have Nick Chubb, a young, young guy, and they spend a pretty high draft pick on them. But um, I wouldn't be surprised if they, if they got him either. Yeah, Cleveland's got a good amount of money tied up in that backfield between Duke Johnson and obviously the pick they spent on Nick Chubb, who looks like he's pretty valuable at this oh, point. Oh, uh, yeah. You could just ask the Atlanta Falcons <laughs> after what happened this weekend. But yes, definitely will be an interesting offseason. And, you know, what is the landscape for a player like Le'Veon Bell? You never know. Now this sets up situations for other players, high-profile players in the league, to maybe, maybe take a step back or 
take a page out of Le'Veon's book. So it'll be very interesting. That collective bargaining agreement is just around the corner and should be uh, pretty interesting to see how the players and owners are able to come together uh, the next time the CBA expires. So uh, from one team in the AFC North and the Pittsburgh Steelers to another, it looks like uh, Coach Harbaugh and the Ravens, according to CBS Sports, are headed towards a mutual parting of the ways after the season. It doesn't appear that that would be happening in season. Uh, I guess the question is for a guy who's had a lot of success, you know, you see this a lot, uh, maybe some situations like Marvin Lewis where you think somebody hangs on too long or a situation like Andy Reid in Philadelphia where it was like, okay, we've had a long run, we've had some success, we haven't, you know, gotten where we wanted to be lately and we're just going to go our separate ways. So, uh, Chris, I'm going to go ahead and start with you. Harbaugh leaving the Ravens, is that a good decision for both sides and do you see him potentially being a coach somewhere next season? I think... When you've been with the team for the past 11 years, I mean, he won the Super Bowl back in 2012, but if they miss the playoffs, this is four straight years of them missing the playoffs. And when you think about Flacco's deals coming off the books, you have Lamar Jackson, who's going to be going into his second year. He's probably going to be a full-time starter. I think this is a smart move that you're going to be moving on from John Harbaugh to probably finding one of those more young, younger coaches like Sean McVay type that is going to bring out the best in your young quarterback. Like, you also have to consider the same thing that they're probably going to do next year with Baker Mayfield, and that's just the way the league is now. These The younger offensive coordinators who scheme their guys around, like the RPOs in offenses that they were used to seeing in college are now taking over the league. And I could definitely see him coaching again. Um, I think the the top on my list for John Harbaugh probably go is probably Denver. That defense is already built. You got Bradley Chubb, you got Von Miller, you have Chris... Chris Harris Jr., that defense is built. John Harbaugh can definitely go there and try to establish a running game with with Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman, then you could definitely see I could definitely see the same success he had in the early stages of Baltimore. It's funny we were talking about last week, um, you know, his brother potentially coming in and, and, and taking his spot. And it, it got me thinking, I'm like, wouldn't it be funny if that was to happen and his brother comes in, takes his place in Baltimore, and then he goes to Cleveland. Because Cleveland technically hasn't been – they're not sold necessarily on Greg Williams. They're still saying that it's, you know, kind of – you know, it's just preliminary. Um, so that would be that would be interesting. But me personally, I don't feel like it's a good move for Baltimore to get rid of Harbaugh. I think that he's a good coach. I think the issue on that team is – and this is my personal opinion. I, I believe it's Joe Flacco. I, I don't – I'm not a believer. I never was a believer. Um – I, I think that he has uh, he he was one of those people who kind of um, uh, took advantage of the the market at the time where it was at because um, you know since then he hasn't he hasn't played great so I think that he should stay but at the same time again just going back to his brother you know Colin Kaepernick had his best years in there right so. Um, and that's that's what I kind of get from Lamar Jackson right now is somebody like a, a Kaepernick uh, who can he's got the big arm he can run, um, but he's he needs some he needs some grooming. He's a good defense behind him, a good running game, and different things like that. So it's a possibility that you know things get a little sticky. But um, you know, I, I like I said, I, I personally feel that um, John Harbaugh should stay. As somebody who's a fan of John Harbaugh, like if there were like. I had to put five coaches out there who I definitely want to play for. Harbaugh is one of them. And somebody who's never been a big Flacco guy. Um, 
this year, Flacco really hasn't been playing bad. He they spent all season trying to get him accommodating weapons. He doesn't have a number one wide receiver, but they still have Willie Sneed. They they brought in John Brown. They had Hayden Hurst. They used a top pick for Hayden Hurst. The offense, Flacco's numbers has been pretty good. It's similar to what he had near close to that Super Bowl year. It's just just those close losses to the division. Those close divisional losses. They they lost to Cleveland. They lost. They played Cincinnati this weekend. They lost to Pittsburgh uh, at Baltimore. It's just one of those things where it's like, it's. I think neither one of those sides' fault. It's just that it gets to a point where it's like sometimes it's just better just to move on and just to continue hanging on and missing out on something better like 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 Cincinnati. I mean, but I feel like that's making excuses for Flacco. Like we're not making any excuses like that for for other players. Oh, they don't have weapons and you gotta. Like I feel like we're making excuses for Flacco in that in that in that regard. Granted, like I said, he had you. you to to your point, he has been playing better, but you think about it. Most quarterbacks are going to play better if you draft the quarterback in the first round. It's going to put pressure on them. They're going to they're going to you know they're going to they're going to play a little harder. So my thing is, why weren't you doing this years prior? You know what I mean? Like, why weren't you playing this way years prior? And I'm sorry, but I, I don't think that lack of we- weapons was the issue because I don't see Willie Sneed and and their current receiving core better than. Let's say a Jeremy Macklin and, uh, and Mike Wallace, and, and I don't th- think they're that much better than those guys. So I, I think we're just give, I think that's a, a cop out. Okay, you said excuses for Flacco, but again, I'm a horrible fan. But this is going to be the fourth straight year that he's missed the playoffs. Flacco is a big part of that offense, but he's one of 53 pieces. Last year when he missed that playoff spot, Flacco didn't have anything to do with that. They let an Andy Dalton bomb. Get them out of the playoffs to put Buffalo win. That's not on Flacco. No, not at all. But that's a that's a fluke, that's a fluke play that doesn't happen all the time. Their defense has still been top five in the league for the last five years, so it's not like they have just completely fallen out the wayside. It's the offensive side of the ball that has not been doing well, and that is solely on Joe Flacco. Okay, but what has Harbaugh done on the offensive side of the ball to help Joe Flacco? Again, you bring in, he's been bringing in guys. He's brought in Mike Wallace. He brought in Jeremy Macklin. He brought in guys who you would think are going to help Joe Flacco. But at the end of the day, coaches coach, players play. Joe Flacco has not been playing well. You've, and you've, you've said it yourself, up until this year. This year he's been playing decent, um, almost you know comparable to that Super Bowl season. But prior to that, Joe Flacco was trash. So we're just going to be honest so I'm, I'm sorry I, I feel like it's a cop-up. I don't know that I'm ready to go ahead and say that Joe Flacco was trash he had established himself with again a team that has always kind of been trash carried by that defense we sure but uh his his what your expectations was my expectations you get that contract you're gonna ball out right well that's, that's well part of the problem is you can't say part of the problem because he went on an epic playoff run oh, yeah. you win a Super Bowl like, talk about striking while the iron's hot. Like, you had to pay that young man that money. Whether you thought he was the next Joe Montana or not, you had to pay him that money. Um, obviously, they've paid to keep their defensive side of the ball intact. Offensively, you can name good luck. Well, you can name and you can't name everybody who's run the ball in Baltimore in the last five years because they've been, Ray Rice has been doing right running back yeah. by committee. Uh, if you are a tight end in the Baltimore Ravens franchise, you are guaranteed to at least miss six weeks of a season at any given point just by signing. They've had terrible luck at that position. Uh, and again, they're wide receivers. You, you've named, uh, I think a word we've used on this podcast before is nice pieces, but you haven't named 
a guy in that situation. So uh, the Ravens certainly have had their issues that they've had to deal with. I I don't think Jim Harbaugh would take that job just out of respect for his brother. On top of that, I think if – John does get let go. Ozzie Newsom is done. I think it is a just an all-out, we're going to yep. clear this all, clear as much as we can and start all over, let somebody come in. Marty Morningweg isn't going to be calling that offense next year. Uh, if Lamar Jackson is the guy, exactly. is Joe Flacco still there? Is Joe Flacco a guy that maybe Jacksonville makes a call to or New York makes a call to or whatever the situation may be? It'll be an interesting offseason in Baltimore for one of the more for steady sure. franchises or at least one of the franchises that has felt steady uh, over the last few seasons. Could be a real remodel there in Baltimore. Uh, we've been staying in the in the AFC North, and uh, you had brought up that they're playing Cincinnati this weekend. A lot of big games right now for being in the middle of the season uh, as the Bengals and the Ravens are getting set to play each other. Certainly, in my eyes, that's one of those something's got to give games. I think both of those teams are currently sitting. Flacco could potentially not be playing that game. And Lamar Jackson could be starting. Does the Lamar Jackson era all of a sudden start? So, more questions for Baltimore to answer, but two teams that right now are in a wild card picture in an AFC that seems like everybody's just kind of sitting around five wins that AFC South that we said was a joke for a while suddenly has all those teams sitting there in the mix you had mentioned the Texans win six in a row the Colts have come back from a terrible start the Titans beat the Patriots at home by 24 points say what so uh, but right now you're right right now you're kind of at a point where you look at that that Cowboys Eagles game last week and all of a sudden a lot of people are ready to write off the Eagles and maybe had already written off the Cowboys because of where their record is so looking at the schedule for this week are there any games that you look at and say, okay, these are two teams that something's got to give. This could make your season. For me, it's that Bengals-Ravens game. It's a divisional game. You're both sitting around 500. You're both sitting in the midst of that playoff picture. You're both looking for some positive momentum. Something's got to give here. So uh, I think whoever wins that game at least keeps themselves in a run to try to make a spot in the wild card. I don't think either of them are certainly going to catch Pittsburgh in that division, but... What divisional games or what games do you see on the schedule this week that you're looking at and you're saying to yourself, okay, these are two teams right now that have a playoff picture in front of them and either they're going to put on their dancing shoes or they're going to sit at home and lean against the wall. Chris, who do you got? The Thursday night game between the Packers and the Seahawks. This is going to be the game in which this is going to decide whether if the Packers are still going to be in that playoff contention, especially in that tough NFC North between with the Chicago Bears and the Minnesota Vikings also playing Sunday night. And and also Detroit can is they're three and six, but they also could potentially play spoiler. And also Seattle, and we also said like be, the, at the beginning of the season, Seattle was going to be one of those teams just lingering around. They won a game, they lost a game, they won a game, they've lost two straight. But if Seattle gets this, they're five and five, and they're still well alive in that wild card picture. They're not going to be able to catch up with the Rams, but that wild card picture still looks real promising. If if Green Bay could pull it off, that wild card can also look pretty good as well because. Still, they still have Aaron Rodgers. Mark Money never bets against Aaron Rodgers, despite everything. If the ball bounced their way properly with like Ty Montgomery or like Aaron Jones fumbling in the fourth quarter, they could be well above and also tying with Minnesota for the top of that division. Seattle has won five straight Thursday games, so uh, certainly a, a game in Seattle that looks like it's lining up for the Seahawks. But you know, you go back to that Chargers game when the Seahawks had a really good chance to make a statement and they weren't able to do it. Uh, Avery, what do you got? This one is tough. I mean, there's a lot that like sticks out to me. You got Vikings, Bears. I mean, that's you know a fight for first place. So that could be something. As to Chris's point, you got Packers, Seahawks. Um, I think you know to your point, the Bengals, Ravens. That that could be something that you know we we look at. Titans, Colts. To me, 
I feel like, you know, if the, if the Colts are to lose this game, I think it kind of derails the season a little bit um, going forward. But I think the, the one that I had, if I had to choose, I'm going to say Falcons-Cowboys. I mean, both teams are sitting at 4-5. and five. Both teams are still in contention in the division um, in a very, very, very difficult NFC. And so I, I think that if either team, like, either team that loses, I think that's their season, uh, personally. So, um I think I'm looking at that game. Oh, and also let's not to mention um, the battle between the top team in the a- NFC East, the Washington Redskins taking on top team in the AFC South, the Houston Texans. Mm-hmm. Um, one of these games, yeah. if Houston wins, then they put themselves in a really comfortable position yeah. to run away with this division. And also, if Washington pulls it off in FedEx Field, you can be also looking at a very comfortable like three-game lead because the Eagles play the Saints this weekend. That's going to be tough. The Saints are... Trending upwards and the Eagles are trending downwards, and also Dallas has to go to Atlanta, and that's just never an easy place to play. We haven't even talked about probably the game everybody's had circled on the calendar for a while now between Kansas City and LA. Now, granted, both of those teams aren't you know fighting for their playoff lives at this point, but a game that was supposed to be in Mexico City, but ole, we're moving it to LA. Uh, as the, the I don't know if you guys saw the pictures of that field oh, yeah. in Mexico, but it was. Man. Yeah, you don't want to go ahead and play on that. So, so the, are you sure that was the Soldier Field? Uh, it could have been. It could have been Heinz Field in Pittsburgh. It could have been any of those. Uh, it's so funny that, well, obviously they just had a concert there, and I think they had a Shakira concert, I think is what I heard, uh, that tore the field up and stuff like that. But for, for something that's completely acceptable, and to your point, Pittsburgh and Chicago, just because that's – or Lambeau, that's just the field. That's the way it is. That's part of the nostalgia and stuff like that. But then you go ahead and you see you know, a, a city try to quickly put – I think they said a combination of grass and turf together yeah. down there in Mexico. And, uh, you know, players that at, it sounded like players were lit, literally saying, I won't go on the field and play, and maybe rightfully so. So that game moves to L.A., which brings us to our 10 minutes of takes. And I'm going to focus on L.A., but we're going to move it from the Rams for a second. I'm going to focus on the team on the, in the AFC West that nobody's really paying attention to right now. And it's going to be – I'm going to give you two questions. So how this always goes, if you're a first-time listener. First of all, if you're a first-time listener, thank you. We appreciate you listening to the Air It Out podcast. Here. But it is 10 minutes of take, so I'm going to throw a take at you. If you guys agree with it, we're just going to keep on moving right along. If you disagree, throw a hand up. We're going to hit a buzzer. And we will hear a disagreement with the take that is said. So I've got two Chargers <laughs> questions for you, right. gentlemen. First – the Chargers win the AFC West. Patrick Mahomes for, I'm just counting this as rookie season. I'm not counting that last game that he played against Denver. Is playing at an absolute unreal pace. This is normally the time in which injury teams normally fall down, falter down the stretch. But they just got Justin Houston back. If Patrick Mahomes is struggling, they can still go to Kareem Hunt. And those weapons on the Kansas City offense, Tariq Hill, Travis Kelsey, it's hard for me to see Kansas City have a complete free-for-all and have, have the Chargers catch up. It's amazing. I think the Chargers could potentially end the season 12-4 and four and still be a fifth seed. That's how good they are. Yeah, I don't, uh, th- that's the thing. It doesn't take Kansas City having a complete like fall off the map because the Chargers have been playing that well. If they slip one week, the Chargers can catch up that quickly. Yeah. Uh, I think for me... The Chargers are a team that I thought before the season could make a run. Uh, and, and when we first took our Super Bowl picks, I said I thought the Chargers were going to be able to be that team to be in the AFC and represent the AFC. Uh, you're right about Andy Reid down the stretch. It wouldn't. Philip Rivers versus Patrick Mahomes, it, it, you know, 
If it's an Arrowhead, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll think Chiefs, yeah. but this division by no means is out of the way of the Chargers, who are a team that are just surprisingly quietly just for two teams being really good in LA all anybody wants to talk about is the Rams but the Chargers just keep rolling right along yeah and I, I agree with that and I also I feel like this this week is kind of indicative of uh, Chris's point as far as you know you know it's around the time where Amy Reed and I, I feel like the Rams are going to win this game and I feel like um, it's a possibility that costs them the division I don't think it costs them the playoffs or anything like that I think they still you know, uh, do 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 well in that re- in regard, but I think that um, I think that it, it cost them the division. I, I actually had the Chargers take, and it's to me after after the Rams game, they still have to play the Raiders twice, so that's potentially two more wins. They're at home at Arrowhead, and think about it—they already beat the the Chargers in LA to start off the season. Now they have, now the Chargers have to go to Arrowhead to face them off. They're home against Baltimore, and they and the only real game after that they have left is. Seattle, at Seattle, so it's hard for me to look at that schedule and confidently say that the the Chiefs are going to lose out on the Chiefs are going to lose enough for San Diego to catch up and win that division. Stranger things have happened, and you just called them San Diego, which brings me to my next go. point. The next franchise to move in the NFL is the Los Angeles Chargers. So we're in agreement because I, I, there's the situation that they're in right now. Obviously, they've got to be seeing the picture very clearly in front of them that it is. Rams country. I think it was really difficult. I think if Oakland had moved to L.A., when they were trying to decide which two teams were going to go, and it was between those three, yeah. and San Diego wasn't able to get the this, this stadium done, and Oakland looked like they were trying to do their own thing, I think if Oakland went to L.A., that would clearly be a Raiders town, and the Rams would be overshadowed. But now the Rams, who have a little bit of a history there, obviously have a history there, are the team there, and I think the Chargers are just kind of looking around. They're playing in a soccer stadium right now, yeah, yeah. and even though they're going to be moving into that new facility in a couple of seasons, I think they're still just sitting around kind of saying, like, all right, well, we're rolling just as much as this team is, but nobody's giving us any love. So I don't know where exactly I think it would be. I think they would stay on the West Coast. I honestly wouldn't be surprised if something came along and San Diego finally said, all right, we're going to try to get a stadium together. If you guys want to come back home, come back home. Um, I think a good town's on the West Coast. I think of Portland. Has been a team that or a city that's was, always that's, been kind of rumored. I mean, you see, you see how well Seattle has done in the Northwest. Maybe Portland isn't is a spot for the Chargers to land. So uh, I look around at the NFL franchises, and it seems like the Chargers are currently in a situation where they can move. And besides that, you know, there's always the London thing. So immediately think Jacksonville, but I don't know that they're ready to go ahead and do that, especially since they've got a good team. If they were to completely fall off the map and be a franchise at the lower end of the NFL again, I could see a move, but. Uh, I think we're all in agreement that the Chargers are the next team to make a move, and it will be out of L.A. Staying in the AFC West, the Oakland Raiders are going to pick number one. Side note on that, that means that they will not trade the number one overall pick. The Oakland Raiders will be picking number one in the 2019 NFL Draft. So we're in agreement. John Gruden's finally going to get that defensive lineman he's been craving. <laughs> that pass rusher did. Ha- hasn't had it. Hasn't had it ever. Gonna that, go ahead and go that, out and get him. That pass rusher that's so hard to find. Right. Well, yeah, I'll tell you what. Not a whole lot of offensive players are going to be coming out in this draft. It, it it seems like. So you're going to have to go defense. And if you're going to go number one, Bosa certainly seems to still be the pick. Uh, even though he's decided to sit out, I think he's probably making the smart move and just taking care of his body yeah. and doing what he's got to do. So Oakland picks number one. They'll probably pick one, two. 8, 14, how do they keep accumulating these draft picks? They'll probably trade Derek Carr. They'll get picks back for that. So 
they are uh, they are certainly uh, on pace to be number one uh, in the draft. We talked about it last week, and he's been given the vote of confidence at least through the end of the season. So I'll ask this: Todd Bowles is the next head coach fired in the NFL at the end of the season. We're 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 leaning with it. We're rocking with it. There seems to be some wincing on faces, so we don't think any coach is going to get let go in the middle of the season or towards the end of the season. Todd Bowles no. might not be the first announcement, but Black Monday, Todd Bowles is just one of the names, and there might be other ones with him. I'm going to say, yeah. Yeah, I don't want him to be let go at the end of the season because, like I said last week, I, I just don't. I think any like most players are always saying, I want to play for that guy. I think that... Um, He's finally got a quarterback that he can work with, um, potentially for the future. So I, I feel like, yeah, I, I, again, just me, I don't like seeing coaches let go with young quarterback. Again, we've seen it happen. You know, Sean McVay comes in and Jared Goff does well, different things like that. But I am just of the sentiment, like, I don't like too much turnover for young quarterbacks. I, I think that when you – put your money and your investment into a top three pick like you did with Sam Donald, like you did with Baker Mayfield. If your coach is not on board with the development and the progression of your quarterback, then you have to get rid of him, no matter how much turnover it is. You find someone to figure that out. If, if Tennessee would have known that, they wouldn't have kept Jeff Fisher that long and basically ran Vince Young out of town. So that brings us to uh, the Jets and Bills game this weekend where Matt Barkley, who started up on their fantasy team this week, fellas, anybody? No? No? Matt Barkley wins two more games before his NFL career is over. All right, we think, we think the USC product has a couple more wins under his belt. I'll tell you what, he was all over social media this week. You're happy for a guy like Matt Barkley. He's bounced around the NFL, had very high expectations coming out of USC, been all over the place. The Bills right now, they, they finally released Nathan Peterman. I saw a statistic. What was it? It might have been ESPN Stats put it out that Aaron Rodgers could throw an interception on his next 1,042 passes and would still have a higher passer rating than Nathan Peterman. Uh, yeah. And if he would have, if, if there were games, something along the lines of where he's had turnovers, if there were games where he just stepped back and spiked the ball on the ground, his passer rating would be up like another 20 points <laughs> in his career. So, uh, But a young guy, you got to think somebody out there might see. So, oh, uh, thank you, Jerome, for the – it was NFL memes. Uh, Nathan Peterman once threw three interceptions and zero touchdowns in a game, and his passer rating went up from 20.8 to 30.7. Wow. And Nathan Peterman finishes his tenure with the Bills having a lower quarterback rating than if he had simply spiked the ball straight into the ground on every single play for his career. Wow. Bruh. Oh, boy. That's tough. Yeah. That's hurtful on a young man. Negative 80. Right? <laughs> so, okay, but, but happy for a guy like Barkley, and hopefully Nathan Peterman gets a shot. Which brings me back to a question real quick. I know we're running out of time here. Real quick, brings me back to a question then that we had last week, which now all of a sudden seems like a very realistic thing. We'll say Sam Bradford wins another game in his NFL career, currently a free agent. I don't see, I don't see any team going after Sam Bradford after after the whole debacle in Arizona. I think that's way too much. They realize that he's way too injury prone. He doesn't do enough to be a starting caliber quarterback anymore, and he's not worth the investment of being a backup, so I don't see him even getting picked up from the team next year. I'm actually going to go ahead and, and disagree with that yeah. because I think, if you're a, I think if you're a good team 
and you need he, he's he's a I want to say a poor man's Alex Smith, but that young man is paid. But he is a protector of the football. He's not a lose-you-a-game kind of quarterback, especially if he's put in a situation with good players around him. I'm not saying Sam Bradford's going to come in and save your season, but I do think compared to a lot of backup quarterbacks out there in the NFL, you know, I look at what Derek Anderson and Nathan Peterman have done in Buffalo. Something tells me if Sam Bradford were up there, he's doing better than that. So if he gets in a situation where he's backing up, a Tom Brady, or he's backing up a Drew Brees, or he's backing up an Aaron Rodgers, or a Jared Goff, or some situation like that. He could come in and be a guy that could maybe go two and two for you if you got a quarterback out a month. So I definitely think, not at a $20 million price tag, but I definitely think if Sam Bradford still wants to play football and can commit to being a backup quarterback, there's still a spot for him. Uh, in the NFL. So that's going to wrap us up this week on the Air It Out podcast. It is brought to you by Inside the Hashes, insidethehashes.com for everything football that you need for Avery Collins, Christopher Thomas, Jerome Jones, Ty Fuego. Where you at, homeboy? It's Kevin Crockett with the Air It Out podcast.